0: Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson On Demand.
1: I wonder if you ever envision a day that Theron Fleury will be welcomed into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's a very special person and obviously a special hockey player.
2: Yes, you know, I sincerely hope that he does eventually get inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. One day down the road, the selection committee there will select him for the Hall of Fame. He certainly deserves it. So Hopefully one day he will enjoy the opportunity of being inducted into Hockey Shrine.
0: This is the Rod Peterson Show.
1: Well, that was a wonderful interview with Peter Marr. People still buzzing about it from Wednesday, the Hall of Fame Calgary Flames broadcaster. And uh, you can go back and listen to it all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. It's a new day, though. We're broadcasting Hour 2 of the Rod Peterson Show live from Great Eagle Resort and Casino, Calgary's entertainment destination, the home of the Roughnecks. Uh, Big NLL fans here, which is great timing. And in moments, we're going to be joined by Dan Lintner of the Saskatchewan Rush. If you have just tuned in on Game Plus Television or YouTube, if that's where you're watching us, or maybe listening to the podcast, we've been sprinkling this throughout the program today. The Rush are on, they are announcing something, I guess. You you just got to be there, okay? Let's pack SaskTel Center Saturday night when the Colorado Mammoth come to town. We're going to be there. Moose is going to be calling the game. And it's an an announcement to enhance the sporting experience in SASTEL Center, the likes of which the Rush Nation and, for that matter, the Blades uh, Nation have never seen. We're also, before we bring on Dan Lintner of the Rush, who's lined up and ready to go, and I'm very much looking forward to that chat. Our poll question today for Capital Automall, the Universal Collision Center, is which team will be the most active buyer? at the NHL trade deadline. And there are four teams either on the cusp or doing very well here the rest of the way. So your options are the Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, or Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the Jets could be the most active seller at the deadline, but I can't see them adding anything. So far, running away with a poll the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's brought to you daily by Capital Automall Universal Collision Center with dealerships across the prairies. And one other thing that we'll get to a little later on is Derek Jones, a former NFL defensive back. He's under contract with the Calgary St. Peters, was drafted in the USFL draft on Tuesday, and the Stamps aren't allowing him to play in the USFL, and it's created quite a fight there. So we'll be discussing that. On the way today, Alan May as well, Washington Capitals TV analyst, and Jonathan Woodard, defensive lineman of the Kansas City Chiefs. But let's bring in Dan Lintner now. I'm very excited to watch him play Saturday night for the Rush. He's got a very colorful lacrosse resume, if you will, and he joins us on video chat today. Hey, Danny, welcome to the program. Where are you joining us from today?
3: Hey, how are you? Thanks for, uh, for having me. Uh, I'm joining from my kitchen here in, uh, in Ajax, Ontario.
1: Okay, beautiful. So this will be the first time that I've seen you play for the Saskatchewan Rush, Dan, but you have, as I said, a very colorful resume. Toronto Rock, uh, Buffalo Bandits scored the first goal in Rochester Nighthawks history and, of course, starred with the Whitby Warriors before that. The, The thing that jumps off the page to me, and the fact that you're remembered for that, that came up when I Googled you, must feel cool to have the first goal in franchise history. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was technically uh, an expansion franchise in, in Rochester. They obviously have had a team in the past, but uh, was selected by them in the uh, the expansion draft a couple of years back prior to, to the pandemic shutdown. down. Um, and, yeah, it just came into the first game and uh, and was fortunate enough to get a, a good feed and, and bury a goal in uh, in their new, uh, I guess, 2.0 Rochester Nighthawks franchise. So it was, uh, was a pretty cool moment. And, uh, yeah, definitely we'll remember that one.
1: Yeah, so when I talk about a colorful resume, that's it. An original draft choice of Toronto, played for Buffalo, Rochester, and now Saskatchewan. Can I just ask you where that ball is? Do you have it? Do the Nighthawks have it up somewhere in the arena? Where, where is that first goal in that franchise history ball?
3: It's actually sitting in my basement uh, as, at the moment. It's... Uh... Going to be a part of my, uh, once I finish my basement, just part of, you know, the memorabilia that I'm going to put up around the, the bar and stuff like that, just from select items from my uh, my past career.
1: Okay. So now uh, you came over in the trade last July from Buffalo to the Saskatchewan rush. And let's be honest, things haven't gone the way the rush had hoped going into this season. This is a huge game against Colorado You could, can you go back and tell me what happened in Colorado this past weekend? Because I'm following on Twitter. I'm like, you guys are leading. And then I put my phone away and see that you lost a game. What happened in Denver last weekend?
3: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we came in as an energized team. And as you probably saw, we, we got out to a good start. Like overall, I, I think we, uh, we felt pretty good about that game. We, we put together a game plan and, you know, we, uh, we definitely executed it like we haven't in the, in the first, you know, six games or so. Um, but, uh, you know, a few things didn't go our way and we weren't able to, to finish it out. So, you know, we're going to be coming in this weekend chomping at the bit. Uh, at this point, we're in a, in a must-win win scenario, you know, with a divisional opponent. So, um, you know, eyes on, uh, eyes on this weekend for sure. Uh,
1: when did it turn from we still got time to now must win? When, 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 did, when did that switch? Was that the Colorado game on the weekend that that switch went off?
3: Yeah, I think honestly, we've been, we've been kind of in that mindset for the last few games. Um, You know, obviously we got a big win and last time we were in Sask against Panther city, um, which was great, but you know, it's a, it's a long season. So I think, you know, in the, in the first few games when we, you know, weren't going in the right direction, we've kind of looked at each game as almost a must win here. And uh, you know, now we're kind of at that point where that's a, that's a reality. We, we don't just need it as a mindset. It's, you know, we we got to go out there and and pull out a W. So I'm confident in our uh, our group from top to bottom, and um, you know, we're uh, we're ready to rock this Saturday.
1: I'm interested to see who the Rush start in goal Saturday night. I've got the news release in front of me. Rush general manager Derek Keenan announcing that the club has traded the twenty uh, the twenty third overall pick in this summer's NLL entry draft to the Philadelphia Wings in exchange for goalie Eric Penny and a second round pick next year. You've been around the league long enough, Dan. What is Eric Penny all about?
3: Honestly, I haven't played uh, against him too uh, too much. I know he was in Vancouver for a while, and uh, and then recently in Philly. Uh, I know, you know, I've watched the game that he uh, he played in Philly this year, and he was pretty spectacular. So, you know we're we're obviously excited to have him, and uh, you know, whatever the decision is made to to put between the fights, whether that shooter or uh, or Penny, you know, we're, we're confident in them both, and. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're only as good as you know, everyone in that, uh, in that locker room. It's not going to just be on them, but I you know from Penny's standpoint, um, you know, we're excited to have them and, uh, a welcome addition. That's for sure.
1: What did you think, Dan, when you learned of your trade to Saskatchewan, you've been in the league long enough to play the rush, obviously played at SaskTel center in some road games. What was it like to join the rush nation on the roster?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it was really exciting to be honest. Um, You know, I've got some history with Derek and, uh, and Jeff from a coach standpoint, I played uh, all my junior career with them. And then obviously with, uh, with Mark and uh, and Ryan and Whitby, as well as Jordy, uh, Jordy Jones. um, You know, I played with a a number of folks um, from growing up. So a little bit of familiarity was there Uh, excitement, you know, Mark, uh, Mark and Ryan are friends that I spend a lot of time with, back at home. So, uh, it was, uh, it was nice. It's, uh, it's definitely a great place to play and obviously a storied franchise, right? So you know, anytime you get to come play for a, a fan base, like Saskatchewan, um, it's exciting. So, you know, I've been on the other side of it, uh, you know, being an opponent coming into Sastel and, uh, it is definitely intimidating. So I'm you know, definitely glad to be on the, uh, you know, the home side at this point.
1: I got to ask you, Dan, if anybody Googles you like I did this morning, you know what comes up. Dan Lintner, your goal from a few weeks back, which was, uh, it's on the TSN broadcast and it's on YouTube. It's the first thing that comes up, the diving one-handed goal. I wanted our producers to air that, and they said, ah, we can't because of broadcast contract rights things. I wanted our viewers to see it, but they'll go and Google it after the show. Tell me about that goal and the fact that it lives on infamy and YouTube must feel pretty cool
3: yeah honestly it was something that happened so fast right I think a lot of times in sports when you know things like that happen it's just more spur of the moment so um but you know it was a, it was a scenario where i uh was kind of running out of things to do and uh, that was an option that i you know just dis- decided to go with and it worked out uh, thankfully so uh, it was pretty cool that I went in and uh you know obviously it was part of a, a game that we really needed uh in a in a big w against panther city so um yeah it was pretty cool
1: well dan uh, before i let you go what is your pitch to our viewers to get out there and buy tickets and come watch the rush and the mammoth on saturday night why why in your opinion should they come out and watch you guys what are they going to see
3: honestly they're going to see the the best game on two feet right the fastest game on two feet um you know obviously we're uh, we're eager to get another w in front of the hometown fans and uh you know, we're uh, we're down to it at this point. We're going to come and throw everything we got at Colorado. So, you know they're a great team, and uh, you know I think we're uh, we're the better one. So I know we're going to come at it with a with a lot. So it's going to be an action packed game, uh, definitely one uh, that you're not going to want to miss. So I'd say that was a pretty good reason to uh, to buy a few tickets. And uh, I've heard there's a little bit of a secret coming uh, coming for the game as well. So that'd be cool too.
1: Is going to be a very big night, and I'm very excited to say that I'll be there. Dan, appreciate the time. Can't wait to see you play live on Saturday night, and good luck.
3: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: Dan Lintner of the Saskatchewan Rush. And I see somebody spilled the beans in the chat section here. It's somewhere. It's out there. They are unveiling a new scoreboard, from what I understand. Is that, is that okay? It? I know everybody's everybody's tiptoeing around this, but it's in the chat section. It's out there. Ryan McCarthy's watching in Saratoga, New York right now. He says, I just watched Lintner's goal. What a goal. That's like the Michigan in hockey. Well, what's interesting about that, and thank you, by the way, for pointing out that it's eleven eleven Mountain. one Eastern. Your dreams are coming true. Be conscious of your thoughts. Where is it, guys? There we go. This is great. Nelson Hakowicz writes in from our VP of Sim Events. It says, the city of Laval and the Laval Rocket have been announced as the host of the 2023 All-Star Classic. Thank you, Nelson. I immediately thought, what league? Oh, the American Hockey League All-Star Classic. Okay, thank you, Nelson, for the Breaking news. I'll tell you something. Um, Chatting NLL with Dan Lintner, I really enjoyed the Roughnecks game here the other night against the Vancouver Warriors. So much fun. Woke up the next day. I'm like, who won? When the game's secondary, you know you're having a good time. David Boyce writes in and says on YouTube, says, good show. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. We are the Golden Corral of Sports Talk, or, or might I say, I don't know, the Gray Eagle Casino Buffet of Sports Talk. There's a little something of for everybody here. As I see they're kicking it around as I go to the chat section here, the Moose is not with us. He's doing business. So I've got three interviews lined up, all on video chat this hour. You just saw Dan Lintner coming up. Next segment, Alan May, Washington Capitals analyst. And then in the third segment, Jonathan Woodard of the Kansas City Chiefs formerly of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So it's a busy hour for our Great Western Original 16 beer. Moose has taken the time to do something else, and that's fine. Patrolman Pete in Winnipeg says Sask Place, which incidentally, that's not the name of it anymore, but he says Sask Place has announced a new Jumbotron to be unveiled Sunday. Well, the game's Saturday. Do you mean Saturday? And did the arena announce it? Because if the arena announced it, then it's good. We can stop acting like it's a big secret. <sighs> Regarding our poll question for Capital Automall Universal Collision Center with dealerships across the prairies, which team will be the most active buyer at the NHL trade deadline? Which of these contending Canadian teams, the Maple Leafs, the Jets, the Flames, or the Orders, and running away with it on... The YouTube vote is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Jim Korchinski says Toronto with Marc-Andre Fleury would win a round or two. Are we giving up on Jack Campbell already? Jack Campbell has made a career most starts this year. Saw that. Um, I hope Marc-Andre Fleury ends up with somebody here prior to this trade deadline. They're saying to go to Edmonton, it's going to shatter the cap for the Oilers. That's a move they you know they probably could have got him last summer via trade like Chicago did. Do a little maneuvering here. If you didn't have Mike Smith, that's $3.5 million off the books. I think the flower's at $5.5 million. You could have probably done it if you'd thought about this in the summertime. Why were they getting Mike Smith? Which, incidentally, and you know this, Jack, when you are a truth teller, you better have your feet firmly on the ground, right? And I was telling you in the fall that Mike Smith doesn't have it anymore. Set it in Edmonton, and they tried to hold my feet to the fire, but they couldn't because my feet were on the ground. Mike Smith doesn't have it anymore. You saw it last night. You saw it on Sunday. And if you weren't watching in hour one, this is where I opened the program, and I'll do it again. If Ken Holland does not make a move because the prices are too high, he is selling out his own dressing room. I'm sorry, that's a very... Harsh way of saying it, but you're, you're showing your dressing room that you guys aren't worth it. With a team that's in a playoff spot right now with wee goaltending, if they'd had average goaltending, they'd be running away with the Pacific Division and probably the Western Conference. You know that as well as I do. Do the right thing, Ken. Pay the price and probably go get Flower or go get anybody. Holpe's not even playing in Dallas. I've been on the Holpe train for two years now. Could have had him. Hometown kid. How do I get so off track, Jack? But anyways, Mike Smith took the Arizona Coyotes to the Western Conference Final in 2012, but that was 10 years ago. Dave Tippett fell in love with him for that. That's fine. Where's Dave now? Unbelievable. Alan May next. That should be good. Is it Alan May next or Jonathan Woodard next? Who's next? Alame. Okay. We'll be right back. We're broadcasting live from Grey Eagle Resort and Casino, Calgary's entertainment Gray destination. Eagle
0: Resort and, casino.
1: and you're watching on Game Plus TV and YouTube Live. And if you missed the show, catch the podcast on Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast.
0: Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson show now. You gotta subscribe! Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed!
1: <laughs> so we don't have them! A- Great! It's the RP Show, and we are live there. Beautiful daybreak. At uh, Grey Eagle Resort and Casino in Calgary, Calgary's entertainment destination. So what, 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 what's the word, Clark? Is Are you expecting him or what? Okay. So it's just you and me. Can we do it? I think so, eh, Jack? Yeah. So uh, I'll delve into the chat here a little bit. Yeah. Greg Sawatsky is watching in Winnipeg, and he says, can we get Rod doing the riff after the break? Just in case Russia launches the nukes, I need to see it one more time. Don't joke about that. And no, I'm not going to play the guitar, but, Mo- but Moose might. He actually uh, suggested borrowing one of these guitars and taking it up his, to his room to, to strum a few bars. We discussed this yesterday. I'll bring it up today. John Ohm in Winnipeg says at age 41, Sean Avery's attempting a hockey comeback with these ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears. Former NHLer Sean Avery's attempting a pro hockey comeback. Thoughts? We discussed it yesterday. John, where were you? We we meet every day here, as you know, at 11 a.m. Central. Where were you? We discussed it. It was our sixth point yesterday. Initially, I think it's silly, never liked Avery, been around him, was at a party with him in Vegas, story for another time, Jack, but even guys that played with Sean Avery don't like him, whatever, a lot of people don't like me, I'm doing just fine, and now though Matthew Barnaby comes out, Barney says he wants to play, and he is a close friend of mine, Barney wants to play with the sole purpose of beating the piss out of Sean Avery. So that might be worth tuning in right there, but it's like, guys, come on. In the case, Avery wants to come back in the ECHL to play in the NHL. he said that. Barnaby just wants to come back to beat up Avery one more time.
0: How about that?
1: But I just think, guys, it's over. It's over. I mean, maybe, but, but, how could I say that? When just last week, Andrew Harris is on this show. And he wants to go sign in Toronto and continue chasing the dream? I applauded him for that. I applaud these guys. But why are you doing it? I mean, Andrew Harris has not officially retired yet. Both those guys did. But at least it's not just a CFL thing. When the Edmonton Elks signed Manny Arsenault and Adarius Bowman and now Deron Carter, all three of which have been out of the CFL. And then you got Milt Stiegel whom I love, but is in his 50s, saying he wants to come out of retirement. It's kind of a State Fair football thing. What's up? Okay. So, you know what? Let's start there, actually, and bring in Washington Capitals analyst Alan May, former Van Bruin. Good to see you, Al, as always. Hey, if you don't mind, can we start with the Sean Avery, Matthew Barnaby coming out of retirement thing? What It must have reached your circles. Uh, what do you think about this news?
4: Is Matthew actually coming out of retirement right now? I, I saw on Twitter that he made some bold gestures. He doesn't look like he's in too good a shape. I haven't kept track of Sean Avery. I don't know if he's healthy enough to do this. But uh, it's a young man's game, and the young players can skate a lot better than us older guys sure could.
1: Barney says there will be an announcement within the next couple of days. Um, I should send him a note. He's a pretty good friend of mine, but he's not coming back to play in the NHL. Avery is. Barney's coming back just to fight Sean Avery one more time. So I guess it sounds to me like you're not necessarily on board with this.
4: Well, you know, I don't, I don't even know how old Sean is right now. I, I haven't looked it up, but I am not, I'm not, does he have an NHL deal cooking? I, I don't know. I haven't heard of anything like that, but. I I think it's kind of comical, but you know what? I I say give it a go. If he's in good shape and he can do it, he certainly could skate back in the day, but uh, we'll see where it is.
1: Avery's 41, doesn't have an NHL deal. He's hoping this ECHL deal will get him one, and that's the thing. I don't want to scoff at him. I don't like to be judged. I don't want to judge them. You guys do you. I just hope they don't embarrass themselves out there. That's what I really hope. Now, beyond all of that, Al, I got to ask you about the Washington Capitals because every week I do a top five NHL teams. And to be honest, I think only one week in this regular season, I've had Washington in my top five, yet they're still a very good team. It seems like out here, well, I'm in Western Canada now and half the time in Florida, the Caps seem like an under the radar team, or is it just me?
4: Well, what were you thinking at the start of the year when they were first place in the NHL for like the first three, four weeks? uh i find that i thought that to, they weren't believe that they were
1: i thought they were in the metropolitan division and not uh not the atlantic division that's what i thought
4: well you know you look at it though when you all of those teams how they've performed they've all had ups and downs, and they're it's a very strong conference and i don't buy like at the start of the year the Metro's the best or w- whatever's going on or, or all of a sudden the pacific's the best or the worst uh you know the season goes and ebbs and flows but i look at the capitals and they played all season with so many rookies, 11 or 12. And they're a playoff team. There will be a playoff team. And they've never had their second line together. Um, Anthony Mantha went out with an injury about 14 games in. TJ Oshie's only played 18 games this season. Nick Baxter missed the first two and a half months of the season. So when you look at that, you know, they played all season shorthanded. I think as they get players back, it sounds like TJ is going to play tonight and they need him to be healthy because there's a huge hole on the right side of the Washington Capitals, you have Tom Wilson at the first line right wing, and then you have Garnet Hathaway's on the fourth line, and everything else is kind of empty right now. Uh, Daniel Sprong, I don't know where he's at as a player. He, he doesn't seem committed to to learning or playing the defensive side of the game, and is kind of a high event player. And I say that in a negative way. And then you know, playing left wingers on the offside. so they definitely need TJ Oshie in the on the right side. Uh, they definitely need Nick Baxter to get back up to speed. He had hip surgery. It takes a while. Uh, he's still not where he wants to be. And then Anthony Mantha may be back in four or five weeks. There's nine weeks left in the season, or maybe, I, I don't know, he, he's wearing a non contact jersey now. He skated for a week, but he won't be back until the playoffs for sure. So th- they've been, you know, a little down on their luck injury wise. I think it all cut up to them, but I like their sixth defenseman. I don't know where I'm at with the goaltenders because. Uh, one of the things I don't like is the coach's system without the puck, the way they play in the neutral zone. I think it allows teams to gain speed and attack them while they're basically standing still. And it didn't work in last year's playoffs. And when you play the faster teams, it seems like it's a recipe for disaster.
1: Well, <clears throat> I certainly didn't mean to offend you. I've been spending <laughs> splitting my time, Alan, between South Florida and Calgary. So look at the teams. Well, got my Panthers uh, well, I, I, on here I, right I now. I love
4: watching the Panthers play. I, I do love watching the Panthers play. I've never seen a team uh, since the Oilers in, in the 80s and the, and the Canadians in the 70s that had so many odd man rushes every game. It seems like every time they get the puck in their zone, they create a speed rush and great shot attempts, and they just keep coming at you. And as the year goes on, I think teams are going to figure that out a little bit and, have, and slow them down and start blocking, putting five guys at the blue line and starting to play that type of hockey. Because if you try to go toe-to-toe with them, they're going to win that battle. But if you try to go, you know, they're on the attack and you play strict defense, I I think it always favors the defense when you decide as the team to put it all together and just commit your play without the puck and hope for mistakes along the way.
1: You know what's interesting about that is I did a banquet with Wendell Clark in Etonia, Saskatchewan. And Wendell talked about the absence of odd man rushes across the NHL for about the last decade or so, because said it's going too fast, Rod. You don't see three on twos anymore, or two on ones. And you're right. The Panthers are doing it all the time. But do you feel that if they lined up against Washington, like Washington is a, is a more rough and tumble team, right? Are you feeling that they're built for a playoff run uh, here now, the caps, is that what you're seeing?
4: Well, as they get their players back, and I think they still have to tweak a few more trade and, and uh, you know, add some to the depth, and with guys like Ovechkin and, and Backstrom, Oshie being as old as they are, you want to take advantage of the productivity that they have right now. You look at what Ovechkin's been doing this year; doing this year, it's spectacular. But I, I think you need power and numbers, and they're not quite there yet because they don't have a top six threat at this time with the injuries that I mentioned. Uh, but I do believe with a bigger team that can play physical, they I think they still need to add some physicality. Their fourth line is gung-ho and ready to play every game. It's a very positive factor. Uh, Lars Eller's had a very tough season, uh, and they've basically been playing this season, in my opinion, without a third line. There hasn't been productivity with whoever they're putting there. You didn't have Nick Baxter for so long. And I think as it all comes together and they start to gel as a team uh, on both sides of the puck, uh, I, I still think that they've got a lot of improvement to do and just in time for the playoffs because they've had a lot of adversity And I think that's the one thing. When you look at Tampa the last few years, the last three seasons, four seasons, there was so much adversity, and they realized they couldn't play a pretty game anymore. They had to play a more muscular game, a defensive, physical game, and uh, kind of get in your face. And I think the Capitals have that. They need a few more ingredients so that they can have all four lines playing that type of hockey. But if they do, I I think they can you know, make some hay in the playoffs. And once again, it comes down to goaltending. Uh, They've had the worst power play in the league, which is hard to believe. To me, it's the worst power play in the league because it's the most obvious and it's not working. Uh, But there's a lot of work that has to go into this for them to be successful. But I look at the year they won the Cup. It was April 1st. They went into Pittsburgh. It was Obie's 1,000th game. And all of a sudden, they changed to a defensive style of system to play against the Penguins and pretty much everyone else. And it worked for them. They won the Cup on physical play and defense. But defense was first, physical second. And then they got opportunistic goal scoring from all of their guys up and down the line. Uh, This team, I think, needs to refocus and recalibrate and get back to that type of hockey. But I still believe that they need some help up front.
1: Alan May, I look forward to the day that we can have a coffee because I could talk hockey with you all day. David Adams is watching on YouTube and he says, Hope Alan May makes it back to Estevan, Saskatchewan for the Centennial Cup Tournament. By the way, your Bruins are mowing everybody. Here's an old-time hockey thing for you. It's between the Bruins and the Humboldt Broncos, and then it's everybody else atop the SJHL right now. So we're planning to be an in Estevan for the Centennial Cup. If, if, it, if you can't make it, Alan, I'll, uh, I'll represent you. But there's a lot of well, Islanders fans up here. I mean, you've been gone for – sorry, you are going to say something?
4: No, I was going to say, I, if the Caps aren't in the playoffs, I will be back there. And uh, I don't know. Ooh. Hopefully, I can get across the border. I, I, if I get across the border, I'll, I'll hang out with you every day. We'll drink some beers. We'll talk hockey. If you want to have coffee, that's up to you. But when I go home, I want to have some of my Canadian beers. And uh, I definitely you want to watch the Bruins in the Centennial Cup.
2: Yeah,
1: I've had enough Canadian beers to last a lifetime. I'm seven off those, right? seven years off those, right, Jack? <laughs> so you can have those. I'll stick to the coffee. But Alan, there's a lot of you've been gone for a long time. You may or may not know, there's a lot of Islanders fans up here, although I do know you come home, and it's because of all their winning in the early 80s, and we're all a little, I'm not one, but I just know a lot, and they're really surprised at the drop-off of the Islanders this year. What do you, what do you see there? Why?
4: Well, they've had a lot of uh, injuries, but at the same time, I think they're so focused on overplaying defense that they stifle their offensive players. And if you play that committed all the time and you don't have true goal scoring and you don't appreciate it, I think they've got a lot of younger players that they need to use more and they need to grow their games. And it seems like they're the guys that get, you know, they're they're put to a different set of standards and you need speed. You need youth. When the Capitals won the cup, they had some great youth that provided timely goals, a lot of speed. And at the same time, you needed your veterans. But I, I believe you, you can't over-rotate on defensive hockey because if you just sit back all the time, I think you get your head pounded in, you get beaten to a pulp, your players wear down, they start to get way too many injuries. And in today's day and age of hockey, if you're just sitting back like the Islanders have done, I think you're more prone to that. And you look at all the injuries that they've had this year, It's just so much time spent in their own zone, so much time getting hit by pucks. They're a brave team when it comes to blocking shots. But eventually, you're going to pay the price if that's you're just going to sit back. And I say with the Islanders, they kind of go on the offense uh, on the offense, and they kind of try to score. They don't really get after it until it's too late. I think Barry's got to open up the system a little bit. And uh, but with the amount of injuries that they've had this year, they're cooked. They will not make the playoffs, and then they're going to have to recalibrate because they're an older team. Again, they've let they've let players get older, and they've got to find a way to add speed and youth to the Islanders. Uh, I liked what some of their defensemen have done and what they've grown into. Pulak and Pellick are sensational. And uh, they're so much better of a team when both those guys are playing together and, and in the lineup at the same time and not injured. But uh, when you think of it, who, who scores the goals for them? Uh, Barzell, I think, could be a 100-point player, but he seems like he's held back a lot. And you know, I know Stevie Eiserman made a rotation back in the, the the 90s, you know, late in his career, but all of a sudden they had other players there too. So a great two-way player, but they had Fedorov, who was all on offense, and you've got to enhance and let players. I just look at Barzell, and I think there's a player that should be unleashed and you tell him we need to get a goal a game because I think he's capable of it. His skills are just incredible. The skating ability, he can skate around any defenseman in the league, but they play it safe, and I think that playing safe has led to death with the Islanders.
1: Yeah, well, it's tough to see a team drop off a cliff like that, and it's even tougher for their fans when you don't see it coming. Alan, I apologize, but we got to go. Tight for time on national TV here, but as always, uh, great seeing you. Thanks for the analysis, and good luck uh, this spring.
4: All right. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.
1: Washington Capitals analyst Alan May, WHL and SJHL alum. Up next, going to Kansas City, Jonathan Woodard of the Chiefs. Former Saskatchewan Rough Rider joins us next. You're watching on Game Plus TV, YouTube Live, and if you missed the show, catch the podcast on Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcast.
0: Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed.
1: Another beautiful morning here. Sutina Nation in We Are the Gateway to the Foothills. And it's episode number 703 of your favorite daytime sports talk show coming to you from Great Eagle Resort and Casino. Producer Clark tells me that just settling in, they're getting the feed set with Brentwood, Tennessee's Jonathan Woodard, defensive end, who was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for not a long time, but a good time. Ten sacks in this CFL COVID-shortened season of 2021. And then found himself with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where he is now. And prior to coming to the CFL, Jacksonville Jaguars, Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins, and Buffalo Bills. As some said, he should have never been in the CFL. And that's a good thing. An original draft choice of the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 2016. And as I mentioned, and I don't know, you guys let me know when when you got the feed set, but from Brentwood, Tennessee, I remember the last time I was in Nashville, we were down there hosting a sports trip. Moose was with me, and I was still the voice of the Rough Riders at the time, and I had people coming up to me in Nashville saying, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Kent Austin. And I said, you know Kent? And they said, he's from Brentwood. He's from here. Big football area, Jack, as you know. And they knew Corey Chamberlain too, Tennessee Tech. They knew all about it. Football stark raving mad in that area of the world. Um, Before we get to him, and again, you guys let me know when he's ready. I will drop in on a sports update here. The sizzling Calgary Flames are in Vancouver tonight as part of the NHL slate. Flames have won 10 in a row. Forward Elias Lindholm is on an eight-game goal-scoring streak. Canucks will be wearing their skate jerseys tonight. We all love those. They've won three of four. So that's all coming up tonight. And the Leafs will try to snap a three-game losing streak when they host the Minnesota Wild. We'll pause that and bring in Jonathan Woodard now. And I appreciate, Jonathan, your patience and all the rest. But it's always – I know you want to talk ball. I want to say congratulations on this Chiefs deal. Did it all come about on this sensational season you had in 2021 with Saskatchewan or your prior football resume? How, how did this come about?
2: Um, I think – It was a combination of the two. Um, My previous football resume definitely helped, but I think it also was tough for me because I've been, prior to this past year, I was out of football for two and a half years. That was the time um, between this season and my last game. So I feel like this season showed that I still had the ability to go out there and play and to produce and be a part of a successful team. So um, it's definitely an exciting time.
1: Yeah, well, oh man, did you ever? So let's just talk about that. I before you came on, I said you were with the Riders for a good time but not a long time. How did you come to be that you came to the CFL? What did you think before you got up here to Canada? And and then we'll go through the season, but how how did that come about?
2: Um so fast, or rewind back to I guess it was earlier in 2021, I was still looking to um pursue an NFL team and at that point um, I knew the CFL was an option and I'd always had the idea of maybe possibly playing there and I'd always been open to it. Um, and then when the NFL teams, those situations didn't really work out at that point, then I, uh, got in touch with the Riders, and then things moved forward from there.
1: Okay. So you came to a season that there was all the COVID testing. It was shortened to a 14 game season. You had a new, the team had a new D line coach in Van Olsen, um, you know, Charleston Hughes was gone, so there were some openings for guys that seemed to just played right into your hands. Talk about how the season went for you in Saskatchewan personally and as a team.
2: Um, yeah, I feel like personally it was a really good scenario coming in. I mean, I really didn't know what to expect coming from uh, America to come out to play for the CFL, but it was honestly an amazing time and an amazing experience. I'm grateful to that I got a chance to play with Um, great teammates great coaches um, and a great fan base as well and as far as just me personally it was uh, a little bit of a change just to get used to some of the rules and um, in my career I really haven't had a lot of time much at all to play in a two-point stand so I feel like that was a bit of a bit of an adjustment period but uh, working with coach Olson and then just just spending the time just grinding away at trying to improve and get better and get used to playing in a two-point versus three-point stance. I feel like that um, helped me just try and get better each and every day. And as a team, you know, I think um, obviously our goal was to win a great cup. And I think honestly we were a few plays away here and there, but I was really proud of the way our team really fought through uh, adversity time and time again. We put in a lot of close games. I think that game versus Calgary in the playoff game is probably one of the most fun games I've ever played in. So it was um I it was an amazing experience. And honestly I would tell any player who is looking to continue to play football or who's on or who's been out of football and maybe has NFL aspirations, whichever the situation, I think if you have the opportunity to play in the CFL, I think um guys should definitely take it.
1: Well, you ate it up in your first and only season it was it was ten sacks, correct?
2: Yes, 10 in the uh, regular season and one in the postseason.
1: Right. Well, both those playoff games were wild the home game against Calgary and then in Winnipeg in the West Final. And I think both could have gone either way because I'm in Calgary right now and the Stamps feel it went to overtime and they see it as one that got away. But you tweeted recently something about the quality of play in the CFL and you kind of just summed that up. But can you just say again what you put out on Twitter about the caliber of play in the CFL? Did it surprise you?
2: Um, I wouldn't say it surprised me. I think, if anything, I feel like sometimes people almost look down on the CFL in the way. And I think what people, a lot of people don't realize, these are a lot of guys who played for um, great colleges, have been productive at great schools, and a lot of people have played um, in the NFL. So there's a lot of talent on CFL teams. And I think sometimes people um, kind of look down on the CFL in a way that I really don't think is warranted. So I felt like there's definitely some respect due for the CFL and the talent in the league.
1: Who were you speaking to with that tweet? Because I spent half my time in South Florida uh, with football guys down there. A lot of them played in the CFL, worked in the CFL. They know what it's all about. And I said, guys, I think the CFL gets more respect in America than it does in Canada. That was just my take. And I worked in the league for 20 years, Jonathan, who, who, who were you talking to? Fans, other players? Well, who was that directed at?
2: Um, I mean, I would honestly say just CFL. Um, actually, I, would, I don't think I would even say fans. I would think on one hand, I would be talking to players who might not necessarily think the CFL is maybe a great option for them, or they don't necessarily want to come up here for whatever reason. Um, and then also just for I guess other fans who might um be potentially interested in the c f l but they kind of have the stigma of oh i mean there there's just not that much talent in the league, and it's not as good as the n f l When like I feel like if fans maybe fans from the outside would look in and give it a chance, they would see just how much fun the league is and how much character is there and history is there and how much um um the subtle nuances of the game can be very interesting and exciting once you get into it
1: well you're 28 years old you're in the prime of your career you know that but can you speak for american pro ballers that are looking at usfl xfl cfl what's the talk amongst you guys as to a preferred league if there is one or our guys just want an opportunity don't really care where it is
2: i think most guys just want an opportunity honestly i think the bigger discussion is on one hand you have the USFL where you can be close to home. You know, obviously family and being close to family is important for a lot of guys. A lot of guys want to be um close to home, uh, which I understand. And like they for guys who want to maybe try and play right now and uh later in the year go try and play in the NFL, that would be that schedule makes more sense. So I understand from that perspective, but for uh To make an argument for the CFL, I think what enticed me was um, I do think the USFL will have success, but a lot of the leagues in the past, they've been kind of one and done scenarios where there's been issues and um, fallouts and like a lot of unfortunate circumstances. So I think what uh, attracted me was the history and the longevity that the CFL has had and the fact that like when I was going up there, I knew I was going up into a situation where it wasn't going to. Um, the season wouldn't have the possibility to just be cut short or just end. So I had a good feeling for what I was going into. And I think that, um, in my opinion, I feel like that should outweigh the, the, I guess, the feeling of being uncomfortable being that far from home. But in my opinion, I feel like it should come down to what scenario just gives you the best chance to uh, achieve whatever goals you're aspiring to achieve.
1: Oh man, we only got a couple minutes left again. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Just on joining the Chiefs, what are your expectations? How excited are you to join one of the best teams in the AFC with a vaunted defensive line?
2: I'm very excited, man. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. A lot of work has gone to um, you know make or just get through this whole process. And it's also exciting because I've um, there's there are a lot of things they do defensively are similar to the things. Uh, some of the things we did in Saskatchewan on defense. So, um, And I really liked what we did. And being in a four down front, that's like my bread and butter. So I'm excited to get after it. I'm excited to contribute in whatever way I can. Defense, special teams, whatever they need me to do.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, we'll be watching close. Jonathan, thanks uh, for your service in the CFL. You're a uh, very well-spoken young man, a tremendous football player. We'll be watching. Thanks for the time today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Jonathan Woodard of the Kansas City Chiefs. Stick around, everybody. Overtime's coming up. One more segment you're watching on Game Plus, live streaming on YouTube, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
0: Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now.
1: one final time for today at the Gray Eagle Resorting Casino. We're in the event center right down there in the bottom right corner. Look at this place. Busy, busy. This casino's open 24-7, by the way. I just love it. So darn much. Uh, what a show, by the way. What an hour. We're sitting here talking NLL with Dan Lintner, NHL with Alan May, and Junior A. And NFL and CFL with, Dan, with Jonathan Woodard. Man, you, we get a little bit of everything here, don't we? And there's no moose. Sounds like he's on the phone, or is he talking to your wife, Jack? What is he doing? Yeah, of, co- of course he's on the phone. He's doing business. We're in the business of doing business. We don't have a whole right. lot of time here on Overtime. Right. We don't have a whole lot of time in Overtime, which is brought to you by the Four Seasons Sports Palace, your home. For the UFC and the National Hockey League. I do have to tell you that Hour 2 is brought to you by Original 16 Beer. Brewed in Saskatchewan. Made with premium Saskatchewan ingredients. Original 16 is unfiltered for peak flavor. You see it on the screen. If you're watching. I just noticed, by the way, that our show is on Spotify. If you want to listen. I w- went back and listened to the Peter Marr interview. Because I just wanted to hear his voice again. You can go to Spotify every day. Type in the Rod Peterson Show when it comes up. Clear as a bell. I just found out. Um, By the way, Rod's rant brought to you by Bronco. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. I got to throw that in there. Reach us at 306-781-2090 for any and all of your water softener needs. I'm feeling pretty good because I'm about to go have a lunch buffet. But I ranted earlier about the Edmonton Oilers and and their goaltending costing them another game last night. And the rant was about Ken Holland, who, again, hasn't really said this himself. But the analysts are speaking for him on the networks saying that the cost for a goaltender here in this trade market is too high. Will you see what's happening without what you got now. And if they don't go out and pay whatever price it takes, it's telling his players that they're not worth it. I've been around enough teams in my life to know the players are talking about it. They see it. Anyways, viewer takeover, as we always do in overtime, John in Edmonton says, Rod and Company, who do you think will be the final WHL team left standing when the Memorial Cup final happens this June? Oh boy. Oh boy, John. Well, you know that I want to say the Edmonton Oil Kings. You know that you want me to say that. I think I got to go with the Winnipeg Ice. I feel like I'm sitting here talking with uh, just me and Jack. How about this one? I'm on the Winnipeg Ice Broadcast Saturday night. I walk into the Sentryman Red Deer in the pass gate and they said, who are you with? I said, I'm with Winnipeg. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that! But I did and it felt good. Jeff the Stams fan writes in and says, what's up on Football Friday, Rod? You tune in and find out What, are you putting a line in the water, and if you don't like it, you're not going to join us? What is uh, up tomorrow, Clark? Oh, I know. Don't worry. I know. I'm not going to. Tune in tomorrow and find out. How do you keep a monkey in suspense? Tell you tomorrow.
2: I like it.
1: Interestingly, Darren Workman is watching to answer John and Edmonton's uh, question. I think the Winnipeg Ice will be the last team left standing. How can they not be? They're 12 out of 13 weeks, whatever it is, number one in the country. Uh, Darren Workman in Salt Lake City says, Rod, what do you think it takes for the USFL and XFL to make it? Let's talk about that tomorrow, okay, with all of our special guests down here at Gray Eagle. We'll see you at noon Eastern on Game Plus TV and here on YouTube Live. Truths in the Coffee! It's Truth Serum.
0: Right on. For more Rod Peterson on demand, visit rodpeterson.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,